0: Riech und Ehre, was ich dir noch angesehen.
1: This is The New Right, a podcast for the lost arts, reclaiming the literary holy land from the heathen. This is Dan Baltic, and uh, we, we do not have Matt with us right now. He may be jumping on halfway through. He, uh, he is back fighting in Ukraine, but uh, we, we wish him luck, and if there's a break in the, uh, in the hostilities, he will jump on the pod, and uh, we are very lucky to have today with me... Bennett's phylactery, who uh, we've wanted to have on for quite some time, and he's a man that you know needs no introduction on our side of the uh, the culture, the internet, what have you. But nevertheless, I will introduce him. He uh, is an author, podcaster, and uh, crucially, the founder of Exit Group, which is a very interesting organization, which um, does many things, which we're going to get into. But uh, among them, it provides a, uh, a way that men can take sovereignty over their lives and form a life outside of the mainstream professional and, um, I suppose, uh, broader uh, broader culture and form competing institutions. And so this is very helpful if you're, for instance, let's say, uh, a podcaster who, if he's uh, doxed, will <laughs> run into trouble, like, like myself. I, I'm referring to myself here uh but uh yeah take take it away Beth. it's great to have you on
2: yeah uh thank you for that introduction um i i i love it when somebody else does the job of of summing up what exit is for me um because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's you know we have a we have uh big dreams and and um so so yeah it's definitely about sovereignty it's about uh uh And it's not about retreat. It's about taking back uh, control and and retreating from situations that are making you weaker. Um, I I think about the guy who, you know, there's this constant argument on Twitter that's like, you know, stop telling these guys to abandon their positions of influence in these companies. And it's like, there's maybe like 500 of our guys who are in those kinds of situations and they know they know that they should abandon those positions. And, and the rest of us who are like project managers at Amazon, like the the idea that (laughs) the idea that you think you're going to, you're going to have more of an influence on that than it's going to have on you or that the math in any way makes sense is to me absurd. And so it's uh, it's. And, and I mean, one of the ways that you create leverage in a situation like that is you build an alter I mean it's, it's it's this is MBA talk but they, they have a thing called Batna your best alternative to negotiated agreement
3: mm.
2: and the, the more attractive your Batna is the more uh leverage you have in that in that uh negotiation and so Absolutely. whether or not you choose to abandon your project manager job at Amazon or whatever it is having a better alternative like either you can go take that alternative, and go do something else and be happy that way. Or you can push back at, at your, at your, you know, your Zog job, your, your global homo job and say, I'm not doing this and I can leave tomorrow. And so, you know, and, and, and maybe, you know, enough people in that situation, maybe that does move the needle.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It gives you bargaining power. And that's the, the most important thing. Like I was um, my, my girlfriend's a lawyer. And I was talking to her uh, as as am I a- about um, what it what it takes to become partner at a firm. And one of the one of the ways, if you're at a very big firm, is to just be a company man and do everything they tell you to do. And you know, frankly, when your clients are very big banks, it, it, they're like they're the firm's clients. They're no one in particular's client. So you you do everything they tell you to do, and maybe they make you partner. Probably not, but you know. That's what you're aiming for. But uh, at smaller firms, at, um, you know, mo- f- frankly, most other firms, it's by having clients. And when you have clients, that creates, uh, like like you say, optionality, because then it's the firm, you don't need the firm, the firm needs you. So you, right. you could just walk away with the clients. And like, maybe it's... um. You know, maybe it's harder for you in some respects. It will be because you want not have the support staff, but also you have more freedom. You have more. There's there's a lot of alternatives and or you could be with the firm and you are the one who brings them that money. So they want you. They need you. And um, I think that kind of applies to what we're talking about here, because if you have your own clients, if you have your own business you're free in a way that provided you have the right type of clients, <laughs> you're free in a way that most people are not. And yeah.
2: Um, yeah. And if you've got, if you've got one client, that's your client. That just means you have a different boss, right? Yeah, like your yeah, boss. Is a <laughs> um, it's, it's about, it's about uh, capital. Uh, your, your, your book of business that that's yours is capital um and so you're looking for you're looking for opportunities that ways to make money that that allow that make your capital as mobile as possible so like uh, and a, a software developer can be that like if if you're a, if you're a web design guy then it's just you and your laptop and your ability to sell and and the quality of your portfolio and uh you don't really need a ton of infrastructure behind you. If you're like a big data backend, like systems guy, then it's like, well, I need to go f- find a way to fit into a big machine because, yeah, that, I mean, because that's the kind of machine that I know how to tend. But there's also ways for those guys to become like fractional or contract based. And so it's not necessarily like it's, it's more, it's more, it's more sophisticated than, we all go start businesses or we all go become uh, tradesmen or whatever. It's, yeah. it's more like just how do you do what you do in, in a way that your capital follows you, meaning the yeah. tools you need to do your job.
1: Yeah. So in a sense, becoming more anti-fragile to, to use a term that has been tossed around. So you can say what you want to say, Uh, Or, I mean, like, I I don't foresee a world uh, right now where, like, all of us can, you know, forget our doxes and just be like, I'm going to say what I want to say. And my name is, well, my name. But, uh, yeah, no, that's not the near, but I mean, like, to just have the freedom, and I don't, frankly, I don't have this right now, to not worry so much that, you know, well, I'm saying what I want to say. I'm participating in this kind of, this movement this uh, this thing of ours, <laughs> and uh, and to not you know in the back of your mind be like, well, I am facing the prospect of uh, financial ruination, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's to the extent you're navigating these waters, that's um, that's a great thing you're doing. And I was listening to your pod episode, your year end recap, where you got into. The, uh, the mission statement, because I understand you started uh, Exit in 2021. So it's been around a little over a year and you did a kind of recap of where you are and you discussed, and I found this particularly instructive, the difference between um, if, if you're in a regime that is inhospitable to your interests. And I think that's where we most of us find ourselves You have two options, and one of which is to vocalize, which is to make complaints and hope they redress them. And uh, I think we all kind of understand that that's not going to happen. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you barring I I don't know what happens in 2024, but even then, you know, it's the, you know, regime has so captured all of our institutions. It's just, you know, I, I don't really know how that would work. And the other alternative that you that you mention, and that is the driving you know mo of this group, is to exit, which is to withdraw your participation from the system. So that could be anything as um, kind of um, innocuous as uh, workers quitting, so they don't have to participate in vax mandates. And then lo and behold, the vax mandates go away because they need the workers. Or it could be something as, you know, exit could be something as existential as uh, Cubans uh, tying uh, tires together and making rafts to try to make the perilous uh, journey to Florida. And um, yeah, so there's two kind of ways you could go there when you're in a regime that is inhospitable to your interests. And uh, yeah, maybe um, you could speak more about that.
2: Yeah. So, so, and what's, again, these are not, these are not competing alternatives. It's not you either exercise voice or you exercise exit. The point of the the, the theoretical point of the democratic process is that, uh, you know, our voices matter because there's this, uh, there's this implicit, statement that like the, the the people determine the legitimacy of the government. And so it's, it's sort of, it's, it's intended to be a, a, a form of collective, uh, it's sort of a collective threat, like, Hey, we voted you out. And if you don't leave, we've got this institution that allows us to, 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 to remove you and you will not be in power anymore because we decide if you're in power. Um, and that absolutely. you know that i mean that's that's that is voice and exit right that's uh i mean ultimately it's, what we mean by exit is like if if we're all in a room and everybody in that room leaves except you like we've expelled you
3: Does that yeah make
1: sense? no absolutely yeah kind of like when you owe the bank 1 million dollars the the bank owns you when you owe the bank 1 trillion dollars you own the bank right and, yeah a similar type of thing there
2: yeah and so and so uh when a when a factory labor force gets together to organize a strike they're not saying we don't want to be auto workers anymore what they're saying is you need to pay us better give us better hours or give us better conditions or whatever uh it's a it's a threat and you have to you have to mean it um, you have to which means you have to be prepared for the eventuality that you do get fired you yeah. also have to be prepared to wait them out like you have to have your uh your siege food storage right so to speak so that you can survive the the period where you're not working um but it is exit Uh, exit being the muscle behind voice. Absolutely. Right. Because then you go have the negotiation and maybe we, maybe we, we figure something out.
3: Yeah. Get a better deal.
2: Yeah. And, and when you look at, when you look at most of the, like, you know, peasant rebellions tend to fail. Um, but, and, and even, even, uh, oligarchic or aristocratic rebellions, you know, it's, it's a spotty, uh, record but um they don't it is not always the case that what's ha- what happens is they throw out the old guy and they install a new guy a lot of times what happens is that just the deal is renegotiated yeah we, we're gonna you know king john signing the magna carta they didn't depose king john they said these are the rules that we play by now you and me
3: yeah
1: absolutely and that you could really see that happening. I mean, as America becomes increasingly two camps, you could see a renegotiation of terms. And I think we already see that in some of the actions of some of our governors kind of refusing to go along with the federal, uh, you know, if not uh, directives, uh, you know, suggested protocols or, or whatever. And we see governors and other officials taking sovereignty on a local level and how much more powerful would that be if we had groups of our guys who were united and were able to kind of band together and say, yeah, we're we're not. And like a, a good example of this, I mean, maybe not a great example because it didn't entirely um, work it was the trucker's protest. <laughs> but I mean, like, that was, you know, that was collective action. That was, you know, groups of people with common interests getting together. And, you know, frankly, the government, the Canadian government had to take out hard power, which was just canceling people's bank accounts, which is just like, you know, that really kind of takes the mask off. And that that is a failure. You know, that was a defeat for them, I think, because you they you see... This is not a democratic system you're part of anymore. This is a system where one party has oligarchic control and you're at their mercy. And so you have to do stuff like exit to reclaim your your sovereignty.
2: So much of their power is wrapped up in ordinary people believing that they have a voice. yeah, and, And believing that they're in control of things and that and that if they really wanted to they could go out and 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 hold their signs and make change and when you show people that that is impossible yeah uh, it, it it you know it's not it's we're not going to storm the bastille tomorrow but it, but it, it makes a difference um chipping away at that legitimacy chipping away at that lie frankly yeah um makes a difference and and you know with the with the trucker protests i think all the time about what is the what is the optimum trade-off between power that we could accumulate and exercise and the immune response that that will trigger on behalf of of the enemy
1: good uh, good heuristic there
2: like like the trucker protest that was a big muscle move on behalf of the truckers yeah and it also demanded a really intense response from the state. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, there's, there's sort of a theory um, that that if two states go to war, it's because somebody's wrong about the power math.
3: Mm. That's right. A good point. Yeah. You don't,
2: you don't go to war if you know you're going to lose. Absolutely. Um, being defeated is way worse than whatever tension, whatever grievance, you know, existed before you lost the war. Yeah, and um, and I think the trucker protest was an example of uh just a miscalculation. We thought they would back down; they didn't back down. Yeah, we thought we could hold out. We couldn't hold out.
3: Yeah, or or
1: better yet, you like you do something that you think will not instigate a war, but it does. You do something that you you think will cause the other side to back down. So I'm thinking uh, Pearl Harbor. Like they thought like they'd you know that would cause the u s to say, "Oh no, we're you know, fuck that, but right. no, in in actuality, Roosevelt wanted to get us into <laughs> World War II. so that was perfect. And I was like, oh, thanks guys, <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we yeah. to go now
2: <laughs> yeah, and so and so when i when I think about what could you do if you had if you had committed people? you you have to you have to understand that like protest is an exercise of power. It's not a way of building power. Protest yeah. is what you do when you have captured the instruments of public propaganda so that your protest like a protest is is something that is an excuse for MSNBC and CNN to create a narrative.
1: Exactly. Yeah. and if
2: you are not in charge of msnbc and cnn then whatever like I, it's one of two things will happen and this is why you never talk to journalists in general you never talk to journalists because if they make you look stupid they're going to run it and if you make them look stupid they're just going to bury it there's yeah, no yeah. win condition for you and protest is basically just a conversation with the media and
3: absolutely
2: uh, so so what what i look at when i think about um, guys, you know, having, having lots of people, uh, and lots of, uh, uh, potentially people in positions of influence. It's about how do we use that network to get people into better employment positions? How do we use that network? I mean, potentially even to, to, to flip local elections. If you had, if you had 500 guys go knock doors in some jurisdiction to turn some, even a state house seat, you know uh you know that you know you, that's where you start to build you have to build smaller i think and and i th- i think some of that is is a recognition of how badly we've lost like if you want if you want the gop to take back the senate um you're you're not understanding the depth of the capture
3: absolutely I like mean, Mitch the,
2: Mitch is not your bro. He's not your friend. Yeah. And
1: the you know, with the state houses captured, you know, the the rule. I think we're increasingly seeing that the the rules by which they count the votes, that is more important than the I hate to say it, but the quality of the candidate. Because right. like, you know, uh Biden wasn't exactly like the uh you know the superstar. Biden Most popular Hillary, president of all time. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a uh, obviously, I'm not an Obama fan, but uh, Biden was no Obama, and right. nevertheless, uh, he he knocked it out of the park, it blew him all away <laughs> so, somehow. <Yeah. laughs> um, to kind of drill back on exit and the way this works for someone who wants to join, uh, what? So, what would you recommend for, let's say, your um? I mean, this, maybe this is a harder one, but let's say you're a lawyer and you work for a firm and you have like maybe the possibility of building a practice, but you don't have a practice of your own, uh, you know, what, um, what would you recommend and how would exit help a, a person like that, which, uh, I should say is not me. I have my own practice. I'm not, <laughs> but
3: yeah. Sure.
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it, it would depend on the particulars of like what direction that person wanted to go. But I mean, we do have, we do have several lawyers in the tent, some of it at varying degrees of independence. And so what I would be doing is I would be putting them in touch with a, the the lawyers who could help them see other domains in which they could work and be successful. Um, whether that means, you know, finding a friendly Smaller practice that uh, that would be you know a, 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 a well I c- I could go into a, a broader conversation about like sovereignty depends on what you want to do right like yeah. like the German government is sovereign in certain senses it can do certain things that it wants to do it has an army technically it has an air force but like there's lots of things that if the German government wants to do it uh, you know the the, the, the the American security state and the EU will just say no
3: yeah
2: um but like you know are they more sovereign than me and you yes and so like uh for a lawyer to bring it back to this to this to this hypothetical lawyer it's like uh do do you want to do you want to post like uh uh anime edits of the mustache man uh, (laughs) and and like you know panzers and stuff because that's a different game than like Uh, I'd like to be able to attend a pro-life rally without worrying about my job. Yeah. And, and so, um, like how, how, how independent you need to be, I mean, are you going to be Snowden? Are you going to be Assange? Those guys have a, like, they're having to deal with state actors and they have to go flee the country. Like they have a totally different math than like you and me and most people.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So,
2: So, uh, I'm I'm not trying to give you a cop out. It depends answer, but like it would, it would start with what do you want? And then it would be, and then it would be, let's, let's sweep the network for everybody who's doing the kind of thing you want to do. And in this case, that would be lawyers and potentially other professionals who've hung out a a shingle accountants and, and, you know, people who run that kind of a practice. Yeah. And then it would be, Um, on the business development side, like we, we have a guy who does reputation management and he also does digital marketing specifically for PI lawyers. Like that's his thing. So like, it would be, you know, uh, what could you learn from him? Even if you're not PI, what could you learn from him that generalizes to developing your own practice? Um, and, and it would be, um, it would be coming to the calls and taking accountability for your Progress toward because a lot of what you're going to be doing is ju- is the blocking and tackling of starting a business. Uh, you need to find clients and you need to advertise and build a brand and you need to be making these networking connections. And it's like, like there's so much that is general, yeah, to every form of entrepreneurship. And you'd be taking accountability for that stuff week to week in the group, and uh. And, and we'd be connecting you with, and, and you would, you would be in charge of like, this is the type of person I need to talk to. This is, you know, can anybody help me find this skill um, But the guys who do that, um, I mean, I'll give you an example. We, we had a guy who um, he was a math professor and he was doxxed and fired. Mm-hmm. And so like, uh, uh, math, and, and you know, no code skills. So he's like, he knows math and he yeah. knows how to teach math. And it's like, well, You're never going to be an academic again. Sorry. Like the things you said, there's no university in the country that's going to let you. (laughs) So, um, so what could you do? Well, um, you're smart enough clearly to, to learn to code. And so he tried, he tried like Python and data science for a minute. And he was like, you know, this just doesn't sing to me. I'm not that interested. And this was like months of like working on Python, learning to code. And eventually he's like, you know, I just, I'm not feeling this. So he starts looking into Urbit and blockchain and he starts coding in that. And that's what lights him up. And nice. after
3: about after
2: about eight months, uh and working working the internal network and the external network, he uh he got a job making, I think, three K, or sorry, not three K, three times what he was making as a math professor.
3: Excellent. Um
2: and and so it's I mean, that's you know, that's my favorite thing in yeah. the world, to see that kind of thing happen. Um and so, so it's, it's about, I mean, some of it, some of it's just like a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys don't sign up because they're like in danger. A lot of these guys have like no online presence at all. They just hate their jobs and, <laughs> and, and hate, and hate having to do the DEI stuff and hate having to yeah,
3: yeah.
2: salute these friggin' people. And so, and so it, it becomes then how, how far of a voyage are we trying to take? You know, Absolutely. is this something where you can just do your job independently, or is this something where we got to like go to a whole new industry and you got to learn a whole new skill set, like this guy did?
3: Yeah, um,
2: and then it's just you know talking to me, talking to the guys, taking accountability, and and the the biggest thing is like keeping you from giving up, keeping you from like you know if you if you get bored with your uh your plan, yeah. And, 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 and annoyed by it and it's frustrating and it's, it's like, just like molasses. Then we have a deep conversation and we go, all right, why is this not the right thing? And if you're trying to do it alone, 95% of the time, you're just going to be like, well, I'll just suck it up and go back to the job because this sucks and I don't like it. But if you got the guys on the call to be yeah, like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 wait up. Why? We, you still hate the job just as much as you did, <laughs> you know, two months ago. So why is this not the thing? Let's figure out what the thing is. Absolutely. And, uh, anyway, that's that's how it would work.
1: Yeah. No, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, Matt and I do this pod together. And, you know, frankly, if it were just one of us, I don't know if we would have made it this far. Because, like, it's a lot of, like, get up and go that you have to have in you to, like, do something and I'm guessing that these people who are trying to set up new, not new careers, but new opportunities within their existing careers, they're continuing to work. So they're continuing to do their jobs and trying to form that exit opportunity for them. And yeah. that's a tremendous uh, energy drawdown. <laughs> like I, to you know, be a full-time lawyer, which I am and running the podcast writing, Like, frankly, I'm like, I'm operating on like, you know, uh, there's always, it's always blinking the energy (laughs) level. So like, it's like, you need other people to say, Hey, keep it up. You're doing a good job. You're doing. And so that's, um, that's one of the things I think that is great about exit. Cause like you get to be around other people who, uh, who see what you're doing and uh, not to sound too, uh, kind of, uh, new age or gay here but who validate you who are like yeah. yeah that's uh that's good good on you
2: yeah and i mean there's there's the there's also the element of people people will off will often come to me with like i want to own a machine shop which is like you know a, a six-figure investment yeah and they're At like not think. yeah and they're like not uh uh in that they have never done that kind of work before. And so it's like, let's take a smaller bite. Like if, if you what you want to do is, or or like, or like a mechanic is a better example. Someone wants to run a, 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 a auto body shop or something. And you say, all right, uh, what if you went on Craigslist and flipped a lawnmower? You go buy a lawnmower that's not working for 250 bucks and a riding one and you and you, you turn it around for a thousand. Yeah. That's
1: see if you like it,
2: that's building, uh, your, your business development skills. That's yeah. Yeah. Trying out like, do you actually like all of the elements of running a business, not just turning the wrench, but like, but like developing relationships and and buying and selling and having to deal with like, Oh, the part didn't come in. And now the client's mad because it didn't get, you know, whatever. Um, finding the smallest bite, smallest way to test your hypothesis about what you need to be doing with your life. Um, and a lot of times that side hustles, uh, a, a lot of times it's, it's, uh, if you're, if you're busy all the time at your job, uh, then it's like, well, how, how could what you're doing at your job prepare you to jump off both by saving money, by uh like are there skill sets that your employer will pay for you to learn that you could take to the next thing uh and a lot of times it's pretty expansive the things that that these employers will 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 cover um and a lot of our guys if you're in a situation where you're like really you're working like two hours a day and and the rest is like looking busy yeah um can you negotiate a, a work from home arrangement can you like, just stop wasting your time yeah. and, uh, and, and, and like, what would you like? Okay. So would you need to do some big, uh, project and knock something out of the park at your gay corporate job so that you could then have the pull to negotiate the work from home arrangement, so that you could then have the time to create your, like, it's just, what's the next step? What's the yeah. immediate step? yeah so that's yeah that's how we work it
1: yeah no it uh work from home has been incredibly helpful to our guys for that reason and like for many reasons frankly i like i do like the idea of having a and i'm i think we'll get into work from home a little bit more later but just to say i do like having an office culture i do like seeing people even if they're you know libtards or whatever it's just it's good to you know see people in person but also like, you know, frankly, a lot of these people, um, they don't have families and this is like, it's their work family and they, they love the network because this is like, you know, it. I think we have an unhealthy work culture in America where people are like, you know, um, incentivized to just go to work and, you know, that that's your life. And especially for women, obviously, a lot of women miss the boat on motherhood because they're in the office throughout their 20s and 30s. And uh, it's just, you know, and and that'll get to something we're going to talk about later, which is, you know, where uh, society should place its values. But uh, to uh, drill down into uh, more the uh, I think there's a similarity between what New Right is doing and what Exit is doing in that we're both seeking to create alternatives that are superior to the original, that are superior to the mainstream. So you are trying to create uh, careers and opportunities for men that are better than what they have, that allow them to live their lives better. And at New Right, we're trying to create cultural criticism and create a platform for art and culture that is better than what is being shoveled uh, into our gullets by <laughs> Netflix or Amazon prime or whatever. And, and every so often there's like a good, you know, good one that gets through, but by and large, they're, they're not so good. So, I mean, I think magic like,
2: time we're, we're, if you're, a, if you're a culture creator right now, you're very blessed in the quality of your competition. Yes, ab- absolutely. Absolutely.
1: It's like it's an unbelievable opportunity. And, you know, frankly, I'm I count myself lucky that I saw this and that I jumped on it and that I saw like, well, I mean, it's and I was talking about this on a pod with Robert Stark when I was talking about my novel and um, we discussed how the culture industry right now, the right are you know Terror House Press, um, Passage Prize, all of these different Rogue Scholar Press, so all of these different kind of uh, right wing, um, you know, if not right wing, kind of dissident or out there institutions are drawing people who are not necessarily right wing. They're just artists who are not able to function in the mainstream industry because right. they get censored, they get shut down and you can't make good art.
2: So because like, they have anything to say.
1: Ex- exactly. And so like I was at, uh, I read from my novel Nutcranker at this uh, reading that terror house press put on in New York city. And I would say like half the people there probably aren't right wing at all. They're just there. Cause it's a cool party with like people reading cool stuff. And like, is that like not great in terms of uh, gatekeeping and keeping uh, our thing dissident? Well, perhaps, <laughs> but it uh, it is nice to the, have the, a the
2: price of the price of winning is that you win
1: exactly exactly. Are you are gonna do? And you know, frankly, like I don't think there's a man in that room who's like, oh yeah, we get these hot girls out of here. <laughs> we we want fewer of that. <laughs> no, that's that's not that's not how it works so like it's it's good because it's drawing like right now in the culture industry there we have something that they don't which is we have a space where artists can be artists and that's that's great so yeah i think like you know you and i both you know came along at the right time to create these institutions to platform uh you know uh voices and also kind of like issues and create solutions to, um, you know, problems that are, um, you know, unique to this moment in time.
2: You, you know what I think happened? I, I think, I think uh, in our parents' generation, everybody who was of our uh, persuasion by, by sort of temperament and spirit uh, was able to, get the job, get the family, you know, build build the life for themselves that was satisfying and therefore uh, uh, sort of excluded themselves from the cultural conversation. And, and what, what I see as like the sort of frog situation, 2015, 2016, was you suddenly had a group of really, really smart really, really capable people who were not welcome. Yeah,
3: absolutely. <laughs> and not,
2: and not uh, they had there was no place for them. And and uh and, and so the, the dissident sphere the the, the 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 cultural uh right all of a sudden had these people who had nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. But, but write and create and 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 fulminate on the internet and uh, and I and I think that's you know part of part of my target is a to to take those guys and 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 help them help them create in a way that they actually can get the good things that we all want because ultimately. If if the if the cultural conversation is always and forever dominated by childless, rootless, <laughs> sort of like and, and whether it's because they're on the right and they're like neats and they're and they're, you know, they they haven't, you know, either because they're they're weird guys or or because the culture has shut them out, like if it's a conversation between these childless you know, uh, 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 rootless weirdos on the one hand, and then like, and then like progressive childless, rootless weirdos on the other hand, that's, that's just a really unhealthy. Absolutely. Alchemy there. But if you can, if you can, a take some of these guys who, you know, if there was the infrastructure for them to get paid to create and get patronage, yeah. Then they could, they could enter into this healthier, way of life. And then also these guys who, you know, guys, guys like me who, you know, found a wife, had a job, had kids, you know, w- were sort of able to to fit into that uh environment. And then had no energy and no no place to put our sort of creative output. Yeah. To create a a place for us to do that too. So that it's it's a conversation between childless, rootless weirdos on their side and people who have their shit together on our side, like that seems like the conversation I want to have.
1: Absolutely. And I I think that kind of takes us to uh, a question about um, the extent to which our current regime is um, anti-family and promulgates values. that. Because I've I've been formulating this in your pod where you did your year-end recap of exit it, um, it kind of struck a real chord for me because at times, and I'm, you know, we're a cultural criticism pod. I, I wrote a novel. I'm a writer. I don't really think of myself as a political theorist, but when I am pressed and people ask me, what is, what is the good? What is it that you want? I usually reply. I want a, uh, a political system that, um, uh, that is most conducive to the health of the family, which of course is a uh, a heterosexual couple who has children, <laughs> and That's- that uh, yeah. So like I think the current you know for various reasons the neoliberal economics of like, you know, you you have to work all the time. They brought women into the workforce and now they're treated like just like men and worked, you know, um, like it it was one thing in the 40s or 50s, frankly, men didn't work nearly as much as they did now, white collar men at least. But, you know, even, even that you're outside of the home, you're working, but you come home to a family that you have provided for, your wife had time to cook dinner. It's like, it was a, you know, it was a happy, healthy, to say nothing of like all of the, Various um, psychological and uh, ideological um, agendas that are pushed upon the children these days. So it, it just seems like every aspect of the family <laughs> is under attack by this regime. And so when I think about what is the good, what, what, what would I say is a good regime? A, you know, a, well, like someone's got to be in charge. And so the person who's in charge, people who are in charge, law and policy, I think, should be guided for what will make happy and healthy families. And to the extent it does not, that's probably something that should be disfavored or uh, even um, prohibited,
2: I
3: would say.
2: That's minimum viable. Whatever else a, a culture does it has to replicate itself exactly it has to to iterate across time and that means a you have to be able to find a woman have sex have babies and then you have to raise those babies with a culture that they will find sufficiently compelling that they will go find a woman have sex make babies with you and carry your mimetics, your culture with you, with exactly. Them. So, so any culture that can't do that will die. I mean, yeah, that's just. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, the, the evolutionary nature of it. Yeah, and and so it's not like it's not even like, you know, oh society must be, um. Entirely about this one question. It's like, no, no, whatever else you do, you have to do that. Yeah. Like, like you can be about like, you know, the, the, uh, Victorian England was radically culturally different from Sparta, but they both (laughs) got that, they both got that one job done. Right. Yeah. And, and, and where we're at, basically we're at this, we're at this crisis And I I think it has a lot to do with, I mean, there's lots of like policy things, but I think also culturally we're in this environment of hyperstimulus where there are so many things that are engineered to be more appealing than that.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Also just the fundamental mismatch of uh, male, female interest due to hyperkamy, which is, you know, like frankly, I mean, I I don't, there's a lot of, I think, I mean, I wrote a novel that is like very offensive, but uh, I I think there is too much misogyny on the internet. And like, there's a lot of men who blame women for their behavior. And that's fair (laughs) to some extent, but also like, if you place someone in an incentive system where, you know, they have those incentives and they're like, well, there's no reason for me to settle down with some guy who's just a good provider. I can have my job and run around and do whatever. Like that will, a a lot of them will choose that. And I don't know that, you know, they're to blame. Exactly. I think society is to blame for creating (laughs) this structure that allows them to do that
2: it's it's structural and cultural, and the structure informs the culture and vice versa. I mean, it's everything's talking to everything. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, uh, it it goes both way. Every 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 conversation that's like, you know, oh these women can't like why can't they just uh, it's 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 the man up conversation. It's just in reverse. Yeah, yeah. Like why can't you man up and act against all these incentives that have been. It's like, well, and and the fact is, and the fact is individuals can do that, but the, the mass is going to respond to the incentives that are created.
1: Exactly. And when that replicates on a mass level, the problem just is exacerbated and right. And
2: and, and I think ultimately in order to what the, the only way out that I can see is, um, guys who can guys who have the personal magnetism to succeed in that domain essentially have to write new laws on new tablets i mean they yeah. have they they have to be like almost like a cult leader and and be be so magnetic and so compelling that uh that they show people a different way of living absolutely and 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 that i mean you're seeing that with this with this cultural trend of like well you know you know i'm not really comfortable with all the things these guys are saying but they're the only people saying anything they're the only yeah. people with, with anything interesting to offer yeah. and 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 i mean i i think i think to some extent uh the job is is like there's an extent to which this thing is going to fall apart because it's predicated on unreality and it like yeah. it can't it can't sustain itself um and so to some extent your job is just to uh survive that until, absolutely until all of the uh it it'd be this 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 ideology selects against everything that makes you embrace it
1: yeah i mean they so, have to continually replace people <laughs> so like well, that only it, lasts for so long and, and they I
2: mean, I mean have you seen like if you, if you go google like tfr in guatemala i'm a, not familiar uh so total fertility rate that's, that's oh, right. like,
3: I see, ch-
1: yeah.
2: ch- children per women yeah um in mexico it's below replacement in guatemala it's slightly above and and the the the, the line looks like this so it's like uh, and and i actually I actually take issue with uh not i mean not like morally take issue but like i disagree with um with the people who say like oh uh it's going to be just um this this malthusian hell world of of like the th- the third world is just going to eat everything like locusts and then it, then we're going to live in 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 favela plants. <laughs>
3: what
2: what i see happening is uh, they're going to, they're, they're like 20 years behind us on that slope. Yeah. And so the, the, the fraction of the population that is going to be the fraction of the world's population that's going to be in Latin America and Africa is going to continue to grow for a bit. And then, yeah. and then it's children of men, <laughs> then it's, uh-huh. everybody, everybody just gets old all together and we all board the ships for valinor and we go quietly into that good night but apart from apart from whoever whatever memes or genes makes a person say fuck that i'm not doing that yeah um and you know what kills you doesn't always make you stronger sometimes it just kills you but like if 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 some of us can survive that bottleneck uh then then you know our our grandchildren our great-grandchildren Uh, They're not going to they're not going to be going to school with the great grandchildren of today's shit libs because those grandchildren.
1: Absolutely. I was uh, having this discussion with my girlfriend and she was upset that her friends don't want to have children. And I told her, well, they're shit libs. It's actually maybe good that they don't have children (laughs) and that, uh, you know, people who are more conservative do have children because eventually, as you describe." Uh, we will out outlast them, and they will go. They will die off. Um, you know, not violently, obviously, but uh, well, just and- be yeah, su- supplanted by you know people with the right values, provided that you can communicate those values to your children, which you know is another issue. But I think uh, there are many you know interesting uh solutions to that one.
2: That's the challenge, right? Is and that's that's why you know when I when I talk about like what is exit about? It's about grandchildren, not children, because if you've had grandchildren, you found something that iterates. You found something that your children will pass down, and um, and I, you know what what's going to happen to our grandchildren's generation, and to some extent our children's generation, is all of these millennials and zoomers um who didn't have kids are going to live to be like 140 <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh and and so it's not it's not this rosy like let's just wait them out our our grandchildren are going to grow up in a world of stiflingly owned and controlled space it's going to be owned by all of the corporate egregores that sucked up all the money that you know the millennials and zoomers built up over their their like dual income no kids life path yeah and then it's all gonna go to taxes and it's gonna go to like assisted living you know the the the, the dominican who smothers them with the pillow in there <laughs> and 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 so it's not so much that the, like our, our grandchildren are going to be at war with these old people. Cause who cares? They're old. It's gonna, They're going to be at war with the institutions that ate up all the wealth that those old people didn't have anywhere to put. Absolutely. And the, and the, the, the money they spent in their terror of death in the last you know five years of their lives. And, and so, you know, they're, they're going to be up against it and they're going to have to make some really hard decisions about like, you know, what exactly is my moral responsibility to the 25 elderly dependents that the state wants to tax me for <laughs> um really like like yeah. because it's not it's not like it's not like oh this tax is just bullshit and if i don't pay it everything'll be fine it's like you are going to pay if you don't pay those taxes people are going to starve and freeze yeah. And, and, uh, and, and there's going to be a really, really challenging conversation.
1: Uh, Absolutely.
2: My generation.
1: Yeah. And I mean, so much of this is also predicated on continued U S dominance. I think there's very good reason to think that the U S will continue to more or less dominate the globe into the distant future, <laughs> but Not I obvious. mean, going to replace them. Yeah. It's, you know, it's. it it very well could not be the case. We, we are increasingly a multipolar world. And, you know, as soon as the dollar no longer becomes the, the trusted reserve currency, everything here is fucked. So (laughs) that, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely our children. I I do not have children yet, though. I plan to, uh, still got time. 36, maybe going to make it happen. But, uh, (laughs) um, but uh, yeah, they they will have to, um, you know, potentially inherit a world where they're going to have some real uh, headwinds. 100%. So another thing I wanted to move into is um, obviously we're a literature pod and um, I read your short story, which I believe you submitted to Passage, Amira. And I have to say... It, um, someone in our sphere actually recommended it to me months ago, and I I didn't quite get around to it, but like I I read it in the past few days, and it's, uh, it's one of the best pieces of writing I've seen come out of our sphere. I was very impressed, very readable. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, great job there. And so um, just to give a a brief, uh, you know, synopsis of it, it uh, imagines a future where, Uh, robots are the new kind of protected class um, androids and so amazon has a a synthetic android brand that this girl uh, commits a microaggression of sorts against in her uh, law school class the girl is canceled and the drama surrounding that cancellation and so what i think you did very well here is um it's uh it's an allegory this this story it's um and so it's an allegory for what, what is happening today. Well, it's for today, like obviously people are being canceled for saying the microaggressing, which are, you know, not really just sometimes saying things that are true, saying things that five minutes ago were fine to say. And so you, you very um, expertly nailed down this dynamic where um, there is a real shifting terrain of rules for quote-unquote social justice and that you can you know violate these rules um, very easily because you would have to be kind of like uh, well, well they're not really written down they're like you would have to be like spend all your time steeped in kind of like reading the winds about like what is or is not okay to say And uh, so you illustrate this with the case of this girl uh, micro (laughs) against the android. And, uh, of course, like that is not only is it more compelling that way because it illustrates the absurdity. Like this is a robot. You should not be able to. Okay, there is like an interesting AI question. You know, are robots human? Whatever. But, you know, let's just this robot is not particularly human. It memorizes, you know, it's a brute force machine learning robot. And um, it, it very well like illustrates the, the point that these instances where, you know, people from certain groups are uh, persecuted by the system for uh, insulting a people from other groups do, saying or doing things that were not insults five minutes ago. When you make it a human and a robot, it casts into stark relief how crazy this whole system is. And also, it allows you to write this story without someone saying, "Hey, wait a minute, this is too whatever. This is you know, you crossed the line, friend." Um, and so, I, I thought that was uh, a very good use of allegory, very skillfully written. And uh, yeah, so just maybe you could tell me your thoughts writing it and your your process
2: and all of that. Yeah, I actually wasn't trying to talk about cancel culture in particular
3: oh wow okay Okay.
2: um it it became you know it it definitely has a lot of that feel my initial premise was what if the terminator was a woman (laughs) 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 because it's it's uh it's not about it's not about physical violence it's about psychological violence yeah and and the the sort of the 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 way that a woman would be psychologically relentless in terms of uh in terms of uh terrorizing someone versus the way that a a, a, a male robot would absolutely and, uh, and because ultimately i think that's what cancellation quote-unquote really is it's 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 a feminized form of social aggression it's a feminized way of going to war
3: yeah and it's a tool
2: um, it's a tool of oppression basically well it's it's a tool of aggression yeah and i mean like because i i personally think that like there should be social rules. And if you overstep, like you should be censured. Sure. Uh, yeah. The, the problem is that like, it's the most insane people you could possibly imagine who are like in charge of who gets that kind of heat.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and centering the wrong values. Right. So like I, there's good social rules. Like, like if you walk into a bar and you start kissing some other guy's girlfriend that's you know you've you you have crossed the line, and there there yeah. are going to be repercussions. and, and that's a can, good you, rule yeah. you can <laughs> you can at,
2: pretty much break any free speech absolutist on the rocks of child pornography,
3: like, yeah, for pretty sure. much nobody,
2: yeah so so, um I, I think and 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 what i was what I was going for with um the, the why I made it a robot. I actually didn't want it to be a stand in for like some real world demographic. Okay. What I wanted it to be about was what would cause everybody to embrace a lie that everybody knows is a lie. Yeah. Um it's because uh uh I can't remember her name. The robot is a is a is essentially Alexa with um with a with a body yeah. Alexa that can, that can walk around and you can talk to it and you it can get you coffee and you can have sex with it and and I thought about like why would there be why would there be humanoid robots because uh like most of the application most things we use robots to do is like things that a human shouldn't do and we wouldn't yeah. ask him to do and so to make it humanoid uh uh you're ask you're asking the user to interface with it as a person. Yeah. And, um, and basically what I've, what I've, what I imagined in the story is like, it's actually probably really bad if you interface with something that's not a person as if it were a person and you, you afford it the same privileges and the same respect and, 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 um, and people totally would because oh, yeah. they, because they'd feel bad
3: if they, Absolutely.
2: you know, uh, 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 were rude to, to this thing that, especially if it was like a really pretty girl.
3: yeah,
2: Um, I think you and I, even knowing everything we know, if we looked that thing in the eye and it looked like a girl, we'd be like, well, shit. Yeah. and, and, and so it's, and, and, and what I want to talk about is like, why would Amazon create this line of robots that are designed to elicit that kind of sympathetic response from human beings and it's like well if you print a billion of them and then you give them the vote then who's in (laughs) charge of the democratic process it's true amazon is they write the code and so um so anyway i i I, yeah i I wasn't trying to make this like direct one-to-one about today It, it was more about like kind of like why do we why do we embrace these lies? Why do people who are otherwise intelligent, otherwise decent, why do they go along with this shit? Yeah. And um. And the boyfriend character, I thought like the, I, I, the, the purpose of the boyfriend character who 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 cheats on her with the robot <laughs> is because he's got a he's got to have a vision of himself as like not a masturbator, yeah. like not, not just you know. Uh, uh, screwing a a kitchen appliance. And so he's like, well, it's because it's a person. It's a real person whose feelings matter and you should respect that. You need to respect that. And so he gets to, instead of being this like creep, he's got this high horse that he can ride. And of course he's going to ride it. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's
1: yeah. And that applies to everyone else that applies to, you know, the people who make it, who, who benefit from the votes of the robot like everyone wants to treat this robot as a person except perhaps the people who are being disenfranchised by the robots
3: <laughs> but right. i
1: mean they're they're in the disfavored minority so as they would be
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i had a lot of fun writing it i i uh i i it's it's really hard to get time for fiction cuz cuz it's so
3: absolutely different.
1: Right. So, yeah, no, I was thinking, uh, maybe we could discuss the, um, our literary culture more, uh, more broadly. Uh, and you, you submitted this to Passage Prize. And Passage Prize is, um, you know, I I think our listeners probably know exactly what it is, but, uh, it is a prize that was, uh, put together by, um, i Well, I don't think it was necessarily put together by, but the original judges were Zero HP, Gio Panichetti, Curtis Yarvin, and uh, Ben Braddock for different categories of art. I think it was in part funded by Charles Haywood, who's a, another guy in our our sphere, uh, who's part of the Worthy House and uh, or, or or founder of the Worthy House. And uh, so it, um, it's a great um, example of the people in our sphere kind of taking back the, the culture, putting together a prize and a project to kind of generate a lot of activity, a lot of writing. And you were just mentioning how it's hard to find time to write. I bet, because I know you were submitting to Passage Prize, having a deadline was uh, a helpful thing there
2: huge huge and and um you know uh, I didn't win but uh <laughs> but, but the prize you know I, I thought like basically I could justify it to myself. I could say, you know this is time where I could maybe make some money and get get some exposure and like there's a there's a there's a reason to do it. I wouldn't be shouting into the void and um and I think you know like I've I've got a little bit of a platform personally, but I yeah. think for people for people who don't but who have something really good to say, It's great because it's like, you know, if if I put some some fiction on my Substack, some people would read it and that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, But like a lot of these guys don't don't feel like they have anywhere to to, to put their good stuff. And so uh, as a matter of fact, we're actually um, we're actually planning to uh, get into that game. Awesome. To to, to finance some uh, prizes. And I love um, it. Yeah, and, and and definitely, definitely uh in in cooperation and consultation with um the passage prize guys. we you know, that's that's I mean, who knows what shape that will take, but we'd like to be uh helping them in 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 uh one hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I think the the more activity we have, uh, you know, not even just financial, but in terms of like creating uh, opportunities for recognition, because frankly, I think that's what a lot of people, uh, what, what drives them to create. Like, um, you know, I, well, more money is always good. I I won't say no to more money, but uh, yeah, I mean, like I write, Primarily, so I can get my work out there so people can read it, so people can, um, you know, tell me what they think and be, you know, moved by it or or not or whatever, but uh, to get my my voice out there. And I think that uh, to the extent people on our side can create a passage prize or not to put words in your mouth, an exit prize or, or something of that nature, it, um, it creates... Um, uh, it draws energy and that's, that's good. It, it draws people to, you know, productive cultural action.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, you, you have to, I, a lot of what drove exit in general, like the, the, the startup, why I chose to do it was that so many of our guys would be like, why isn't anybody why is anybody speaking out? Why is anybody creating cultural content? Why are you know? Why are we constantly on the ropes and on the run and and my attitude toward like if if nobody's doing the thing that you feel they should do and everybody kind of agrees should do it, then like some there's some incentive structure that's wrong. Like don't don't blame it. like it's not like the, you know uh uh it's like the pandas in the zoo. It's not like the moral fiber of the panda is deficient.
3: Yeah. It's no, the, absolutely. The,
2: there's something wrong with the habitat. There's some like some, some kind of incentive structure is wrong because they're the same pandas that they were, you know, 2000 years ago.
3: Absolutely. And,
2: and they were breeding just fine back then. So what happened? And, and I, I think uh, with, with culture creation, yeah, you, you have to create, um, an ecosystem I like we have a couple guys who who, who came into the group with like um, with political activism experience because they're like they're like former Bernie bros or they're oh, like wow. okay. you know we, we actually attract quite a few people who are like you know I'm I'm dug in like a tick into this system that is horrible and I hate it but like there's no there's no right-wing counterpart for me to jump to the infrastructure is non-existent
3: Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: and so when those guys come to me, I, I I kind of, I kind of go like, you know, look, I, I don't have a, uh, I don't have an immediate easy answer for you, but this is what we're trying to build. This is the infrastructure. And like, those are big muscle moves. Those are, those are, uh, tough to do, but they have to be done.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You no, know, creating the space for people to feel the incentive to do those things. Like you, you mentioned on your pod, a guy who founded a uh, or, or is in the process of founding a, an all boys school rooted in the classics, teaching, uh, you know, teaching children what they should be learning. And um, I, I know a guy in our space who's also trying to do that. And it's, it's great to see, you know, this kind of passion, this energy to do stuff like that.
2: So much of the, uh, you know, again, our, our parents and our grandparents generation, it's not so much that they like didn't share these, these desires and these values. They just didn't, they just didn't think that they would be gone. They would, they didn't yeah. think it would fall out from under them and like like scouting you know when i was a kid scouting was like it was kind of lame it was like computer like computer merit badges and like citizenship in the community and like you know there's a lot that was but there was a lot that was cool about it too and it definitely was not a place where you were going to learn about your you know where you're going to stick your dick like it just wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't on the radar the answer was nowhere <laughs> and, um and you know, the, the people felt that those institutions would stay with them. They felt that they felt that they would have that to rely on. And, uh, I I think about like the, one of the ways that they, they trace the decline of the Roman empire in Europe is the pottery
3: Hmm.
2: because it goes from like, there's, there's really fine, beautiful pottery shards from, and it's like, it's, there's like one, I can't remember if it's like North Africa or Greece, but there's like one place where all these pots come from and they're all over Europe. All right. And then all of a sudden the pots stop and then it's like these wonky, weird, like not very skillfully created, uh, vessels. Cause you still got to have pots. Um, but the trade route broke down and now there's barbarians taking tolls and you can't get the nice North African kind.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I no, think that's
2: kind of what we're up against right now is like we're we're having to develop our own culture from scratch because the our access to high quality I mean like if I could if I could send my kids to a school where they had um trained educators who like were were good at it and like I wouldn't want them to go to like any even the kind of school that I went went to as a kid which was not, you know, paused and we weren't learning about that kind of thing. But even that was was not yeah. acceptable. It was not a, not a good model. But like if I could send my kids somewhere to be educated where I would trust they would get a good education, I would prefer that to nothing but homeschooling. Like yeah. it would be good if we had these shared cultural products that made it easier to acculturate our children, but we don't. So I'm stuck here trying to teach my kid reading and math and it's like that shitty pot that's not obviously not as good but i gotta make it
1: (laughs) yeah no absolutely and I, i think you you said something very uh insightful about the uh difference in expectations between the boomers and the millennials and the the boomers i don't think they quite like frankly our parents i don't think they quite understand what has been lost. They, um, you know, they grew up in in, an era where, you know, they kind of loosened all the rules, but also enjoyed the fruits of the order from an earlier time. And so what the millennials inherited was all that order, that order is gone. And the rule loosening has led to, uh, you know, very... um, yeah, anti-human uh, behaviors that have uh, become propagated and you know and uh, in fact uh, kind of institutionalized and um, yeah so like they you know it, it it's it's uh, I'm sure you've uh, you're familiar with the civilizational theory the four turnings and um, the we the millennials are a a hero archetype, uh, our generation. And so I, I guess in some respects, you know, if you are inheriting a fallen society, it does fall upon you to try to fix it, to try to, you know, put that uh society to rights. And uh I think yeah. that's what exit is trying to do. That's what we're all
2: trying to do. The the and the, the hero archetype is a a responsibility. It's not a, uh, it's not a prophecy.
1: Yeah, no,
2: absolutely. We, we can totally fuck it up and, and fail, fail catastrophically. Um, and, and, you know, I think by and large, uh, by and large, we will fail. Uh, but, but the, some, something's going to succeed. And so, and so the goal is to, the goal is to get as many people, uh, Trying things as possible, and uh, I actually had a guy um, reach out to me, a good, good, good friend of mine, reach out and say, you know, watch out for the the second mover in your. Oh website. yeah, yeah. Like, don't don't figure out the answers to all these like structural questions of how to run this thing, and then have somebody else be the Facebook to your MySpace, and you know, learn from all your mistakes and do it better and do it quicker and 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 eat your lunch and my answer to that was if somebody figures out a way to do this better i'll go join his thing yeah. like and 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 i'll have my guys join his thing and and like it, it's 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 about getting it done and uh and yeah we are we are in this in this really really dire uh uh, uh situation but i actually am pretty encouraged by the quality of i mean just the just the the quality of guys that 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 my group attracted in the in the early days like i didn't um i didn't do anything other than just sort of make the pitch and all of a sudden i've got these guys who are just incredibly successful incredibly talented incredibly smart uh incredibly dedicated to each other
3: yeah that's it great. just
2: kind of fell in my lap and i and i think partly that's because If you've got just an ounce of integrity you you find this situation intolerable
1: yeah you can't a hunger for this yeah one thing and I, i won't keep you too long i know we're coming up on uh one and a half hours here but um i wanted to discuss remote work it's a seismic shift And this present presents, we're here talking about ways to kind of like hold on and change the culture. Well, there is the potential with remote work for exiting the US and living in a culture that is, you know, I mean, yes, US hegemony kind of infects most of the West, but like I I from what I understand, things are maybe better in Hungary, Poland. I mean, I certainly think um, kind of um, Latin America, they don't really care as much. It's machismo cultures. Like I think you're going to have the woke stuff is a hard sell when like the cartel is running the uh, I mean, that said, you don't necessarily want to live under the thumb of a cartel. So um, what do you think about the possibilities for remote work enabling people to um, exit the United States.
0: I honestly
2: think it's just as important that they can exit the San Francisco Bay area. Um, okay. I think, I think the, I think the increased mobility, uh, is already creating some of the like laboratory of democracy, uh, yeah. type, type thing that the federalism was supposed to do and doesn't really do, but, but, um, I think, I think there's immense, and I mean, you know, like, like New Hampshire is a very different state because of all the libertarians that move there. Yeah. And, um, you know, like it's not, um, they're not going to secede anytime soon, but it's, it matters that they're there. Yeah. And, um, and so I see it as, again, it's a spectrum, like, like people, people do have this tendency to catastrophize, because they're like, oh, look what, you know, if they want you, they'll get you because of what happened to, you know, Snowden and Assange and like Seth Rich. And it's like, bro, you're not that important. Like yeah. you, you, you can hide, you, like you, you can run to, to Paraguay and they will not care. They'll let you go to Paraguay. Um, And, and I think absolutely like, certainly in the near term. And, and I also think that like, you have to understand that everything that every action that you take and every action that the regime takes against you, there's costs and you can totally be mobile in ways that are much lower cost to you than chasing you costs the regime. Absolutely. Like, uh, you know, like your, your goal is to be as free as you can be, uh, in, in ways that are illegible to them are hard for them to chase down are hard for them to attack. And so, um, I mean, I view, I view it, it you know, just, just getting out of corporate employment, yeah. not having a W two immediately, you've completely changed the math on how hard it is to get you. We've had, we've had, um, so that my, my little group of like Latter-day Saint guys that I was part of on, on Twitter, uh, like, when I got doxed, I mean, I got doxed as as part of a group of guys. It wasn't just me. Yeah. And it was so interesting because there were three or four guys operating under their real names, but they were either working for a small company where they knew the boss and the boss was on side or they were self-employed and none of those guys were even targeted. Yeah, And yeah. They, they said the same stuff everybody else said, but it just wasn't worth the effort.
3: Yeah, because
2: you'd have to go to a whole different dimension of 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 ways to attack them, uh, and 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 so like, you know, it's it's not it's not inevitable. It's inevitable that you'll that you'll make enemies. It's not inevitable that they'll be able to destroy you. Yeah, and so th- this uh, back to this jurisdictional question, um getting out of your city getting out of your state getting out of the country you know there's sort of different levels and and i I think it absolutely will change the math on uh what i what i see it doing right now i can't tell you how many people i talk to who are looking real hard at arkansas tennessee eastern oklahoma um these places that are like actually like beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen Eastern Oklahoma, but it's like hilly and pretty. Oh and wow! Plain. Yeah. Um. The, the the west, the farther west you go, the more it becomes plains. But 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 the eastern part is 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 nice, and um, there's all these beautiful natural places that are going to become really attractive places to live once there's Starlink.
3: Yeah, And no, that
1: uh, uh, that makes a lot of sense that you, you don't need to leave the United States. You just need to be part of a community where you can send your kids to school and they're not going to learn about these things that uh, are harmful and wrong. And and, uh, and and maybe
2: for some, leaving the country is the move. And maybe for all of us, eventually leaving the country is the move. But like, there's gradations.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, if you leave the country, well, like, I don't know too many Hungarians. I know like one or two actually, but I I don't know too many Hungarians. Uh, I I certainly don't know uh, any like Colombians. So um, yeah, I it's
2: depth in Colombia or Hungary yet. <laughs> but uh, you know, inshallah.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. I think. Uh, is there uh, anything in you want to um, talk about more, or
0: uh, I? I think uh,
2: uh you asked why it was fraternal. Oh um, yeah,
1: yeah. Let's uh let's dig into that.
2: Uh yeah, I mean I I can make it quick. But basically, um part of our vision, part of what we believe is that men and women are different and they have a different yeah. trajectory. And so, uh uh creating a situation where uh women are like building uh really intensive careers uh, is, is not really like what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to help them to start families
3: Absolutely. and we're trying to, help,
2: trying to help their husbands to, uh, create that. And so like there should be, um, a feminine version of this. Uh, it just would look completely different. It would be a completely different offering and I shouldn't run it. Yeah. Uh, a woman should run it.
1: Yeah. And so, no, that, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And also I think that there is, um, I, I said in my notes, a real disjunction, I think, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but um, between the level of risk tolerance on the part of men versus women, women are just, frankly, they're more agreeable. Well, I mean, it depends on the word, <laughs> but uh, many, many of them are just, in general, they're more agreeable than
2: men. Higher agreeableness, higher conscientiousness. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And men, you know, if there's someone who sees the current, and frankly, the current structure is profoundly well, it's anti-family, so it's anti-man and anti-woman. But I think yep. men are really getting the real short end of the stick here. So it's the more certainly in the short term, yeah, yeah,
2: certainly in the short term. I, I think I think the math will flip. I mean, it's fun. But basically, you look at you look at who has the harder time at what stage of life under which system. Uh, in the in in the more traditional uh frame mom is having kids in her 20s and 30s and she's very very busy very tired lots of demands on her body lots of demands on her time and then the kids grow up and they become a support to her later on whereas the the man has this more like linear trajectory of I'm working a lot the whole time and uh my stressors when I'm 45, 55 are, you know, just as intense professionally. And like so basically you're looking at like one of them provides the 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 liberal, the progressive uh vision of what life should be. Yeah. Does make life a lot easier on women in their twenties and thirties, but that has consequences later on.
1: Absolutely. It, uh, I mean, I think constitutionally, though, as we say, with, with regard to agreeableness, there's just a strong instinct among many women to kind of uh, assume that the people in control are there for a reason. You know, they they want to ally themselves with power because I mean that in any animal group, that's what, what, what I mean. Obviously, we're not animals, but you know, there are certain psychological um, similarities. They want to, you know, protect their young, even if they don't have young. It's just an instinct, an instinctual thing to want to, you know, not risk. Keep things safe. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, men. I mean, there's a reason why. Well, there's more potential reward for men, right?
2: Well, and there's also there's also just like we're talking about, you know. And I, I tell the guys like, don't, you know we're not going to talk about, uh, your, your weird political ideology <laughs> because it's just, it's just a vulnerability for everybody. Um, nor mine. So we're, we're going to, we're going to keep, we case say, we're going to keep it Joe Rogan. We keep it Joe Rogan in the, in the chat. And so that's not the per but, but the point is when you, when you bring women, especially attractive women into, group. It's not, it's not that she's going to screw everything up personally. It's that the men are going to act different. That's absolutely true. And the the, the intimacy of what you can share as far as your struggles, um, and, and your, your vision, uh, is just, it's just different when there's a lady around. And, uh, and so we're, we're trying to create a space where that's not, but the, but the fact is, I mean, we, we, you can't, you can't build what we need to build without women being involved and and so oh, of course yeah part of part of what we do is we have meetups and uh the guys bring the wives and kids and we you know uh we get together uh, as as families so it's not uh it's not that they're not involved but uh but the group itself is for the men
1: yeah no i mean that uh that makes perfect sense And it is great that you have those meetups because I was just musing this morning about how my grandparents were like members of the Elks lie, the Elks club. And they would like go out and like, you know, see other couples they knew and get together. And my parents don't have anything like that. They, you know, the boomers, they didn't preserve that. So like, they do have other couples they know, but you know, they don't have nearly the community that my grandparents did. And so, and, you know, come go down to millennials. Like, yeah, I guess you have your friends givings or whatever, but like, I I don't know if that's going to stay together into their forties and fifties. So um, yeah, I think there's a real hunger and need for communal um, fraternal groups. And like when you, when you bond over shared values, it's just so it's such a deeper bond because Especially if those values are in, uh, you know, in uh, uh, contrast to those of the, the current regime, it uh, creates a sort of a deeper bond because you have this kind of shared struggle. <laughs> well, and-, and,
2: you just, and you just don't have to, you don't have to litigate all of the premises, you can get on to the deeper conversation because you're not having the same freaking argument that you, you've had a million times on the internet. Like, absolutely it, it, so so yeah and and we've got probably three metros where uh the guys are are dense enough deep enough that uh that like there's there's appetite for a, a every month type of meetup um awesome the goal is to build the thing but we've got 150 guys and and so uh the 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 goal is to get the water line uh the total up so that in every city you've got a dozen guys or, or two dozen guys that uh, that you could do a homeschool co-op with, or you could, you know, go bowling or just, just get together, you know, on a regular basis. So that's, that's my like near term ambition is to create more cities where that kind of uh, real life connection is possible because it has to become real. It can't be, it can't be zoom forever.
1: Totally. 100% agreed. Now, if someone wants to join exit, what, what do they do? What's yeah, the... so it's,
2: it's ExitGroup.us. You go there, you sign in, you pay your first month's dues. And then you and I, uh, schedule a phone call. And, uh, the purpose of that phone call is both to understand like what you could offer the group, what, and what the group could offer you make sure that it's a fit. I do that with everybody that comes in. So it's, it's, uh, you know, if somebody's, if somebody's weird or, or not a great, you know, uh, potentially a risk, you know, OPSEC risk or something, yeah. I, I'm in. you know, I'm not doing, I'm not the FBI. I'm not doing background checks, but, but, uh, there's a, there's a sniff test. Yeah. And then, um, and then if it's not a fit, I give you your dues back. And if it is a fit, then you come in and, um, and then we 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 meet together. I think I think we're up to like fifteen or sixteen calls every week. Um, so different times a day and different topics. And um, we we figure out what call you need to be part of, and you sort of bounce around for a minute until you figure out what group. Whether it's the entrepreneurship group or the tech and crypto, or you want to be involved in the scouting alternative, you want to be involved in the literary competition, you want to be involved in. We've got a tech boot camp um, and like career recruiting project that we're working on so that we can get our guys trained up in tech skills and then get them into, uh, into better jobs. So it's like, do you want to work on your individual project or do you want to come work on some of the things that we're doing? And, um, either way is good, but then, but then, you know, you'd be, uh, connecting with me to find out who in the group you need to be talking to. Uh, and, and so that's, that's how it would work initially.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I am, not yet a member of Exet. but uh, I you know definitely have benefited from friendships in this sphere. Matt, who I never even met in real life until like six months into the podcast. We were just doing Zooms, is one of my best friends now. and um yeah, i've I've met so many like real life friends through, shared values and interests and we've you know met each other through groups like uh groups like exit so
2: it's remarkable how many of the guys who are like an anime girl on twitter are like six (laughs) or four and jacked and handsome and rich and
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, i I am not actually a shiba inu dog just to uh (laughs) though i like them
2: I, yeah, I, yeah but yeah, it's it's, it's right. a really high quality it's 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 a wildly uh it's a statistical anomaly it's a wildly uh a high quality group of of guys in our in our corner of of the internet and so just the little scoop that i've i've scooped up has been pretty remarkable so anyway
1: awesome well um yeah, I mean that that does it for my questions. If uh, there's any more you'd like to touch on, we we have time. But
2: I'm good, man. I, I appreciate you uh, you taking this time. It's been a really good conversation.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, no. I mean, thank you for coming on, and uh, you know, I'm really enjoyed reading about exit. I'm gonna read a lot more. And I again, please keep writing fiction because that was one of the best short stories I've read coming out of our side of the internet and trust me i've read a lot (laughs) uh not not to put anyone down but it it was was very good
0: well
2: thanks man i I really appreciate it extradeadjcb.substack.com you go read amira it's on there all right i'm gonna stop recording